giving us Jesus. Kevin, Jill, choir, thank you. Welcome everyone. My name is Drew Smith. I get to be the pastor here, those that are here with us and those that are online. Welcome this Super Bowl Sunday where even the Super Bowl will give you Jesus. You know, there's a commercial that'll be there's I think two actually. So maybe you've seen the He Gets Us commercials. Uh, there'll be two at the Super Bowl, which uh, brings up the, the question, when you watch the Super Bowl, do you watch for the game or for the commercials? Because um, uh, it's sort of half and half. And I imagine in Cincinnati, uh, this uh, because of, uh, you know, it's the, the, the problem with success is then it brings lament like what we face today, that the Bengals aren't in the game. Now, you know, Three years ago, we would have died to be in this position, that we got all the way to the championship game of the AFC. Uh, but now, so some of you may not watch because of protest. But some of you may because you like the commercials. And that made me think and wonder a little bit. You know, what is Jesus brand? What, what's, what's his logo for Christianity, you know what? That's a big thing these days. I don't quite get it. You know, you got to be true to the brand. And I guess it means, you know, there's some core picture or vision or essence that this is what it means to be Christian. This is the logo for Jesus. And in our, our passage today, I think it'll be obvious, but I think this is Jesus' brand. Right here. Nice old, sort of tattered a little bit, even soiled a little bit, but it's a towel. It's uh, this, this, this maybe would be what we would use. This could be you know, the Jesus logo, right? What we got on the screen. And in our passage today that is for many of you familiar, you'll you'll you understand why maybe this is our brand as Jesus followers a towel soiled maybe even damp used to wash feet John 13 starting with verse 1 on page 900 in your pew bibles is the the story where we get this picture of Jesus brand and before we read let's pray together Almighty God, we give you thanks for your written word and we pray that in the power of your spirit you would enable us to hear from you and that that it would anchor our soul in you and would spur us on to, to follow you wherever you might send us. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. John 13 verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, 
rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I've chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place. That when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, the first thing that I see in this passage is, is Jesus is now washing the feet of those that are going to desert him and betray him is what is his foundation how in the world does he have the ability to do that well the the, the first thing that we see is he knows who he is therefore as his followers we need to be sure we know who we are that you need to know who you are what is essential what is real because what, what we hear in the passage is that jesus knows what is coming and he, he also knows where he came from, where he's going, and what is his beautiful purpose from the Father. He knows where he came from, where he's going, and he knows and is true to his beautiful purpose to the end. Now, I don't want to soft pedal the fact that, that Jesus understands and knows where he's going and the emotion, the terror that he would be feeling, the horror that would be his at this moment. A couple years ago, last year, maybe two years ago, we, uh, in Monday Thursday, which is where we often look at this passage of Jesus washing feet, showed a video. And in that, that video, um, the, the, Jesus had some premonitions as he was 
having the Last Supper with his uh, trusted friends. And in that premonition, it showed you know the beaten, scarred, bloody Jesus being hammered to a cross. It was just short little piece, but it was sort of shocking. And afterwards, I had a little girl, seven or eight, come to me and say, Why did you show that video? And I'm like, oh, for your eyes. I wish I had your eyes. Because she was traumatized. Yeah. And uh, confess to the Lord, hey, I hope I didn't traumatize this, uh, this girl in this. But it was one of saying, yeah, re- let's recognize here the emotion, the humanity of Jesus. As he's having premonitions of betrayal, denial, suffering, and death. The evil that surrounds us. The challenges that are around us are real. And all the more that if, if we're going to follow into the, the goodness of God and have a servant's heart as followers of Jesus, we have to, like Jesus, we've got to, to know who we are just like Jesus did. He, I mean, think about how Jesus could have responded at this moment. I mean, there could have been anger, fear, terror, I'm out of here, I give up, never, we gotta work doubly hard because I'm about to go and you guys are gonna carry the, the baton, we gotta get this done, start working hard, all kinds of possible reactions. But he knew where he came from. He knew that he came from the Father. He knew, knew he was going back to the Father and he knew the purpose of loving the disciples that the Father had given to him. And he refused to let any external distraction pull him from that purpose. So where, where are you from? You know, where, where, what is your creation story? Well, part of it's Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14. I think we've got that on the screen. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. This is where you're from. You specifically, in exactly the way that you are right now, you were formed wonderfully and fearfully by your Creator. In your mother's womb, each one of us uniquely with gifts, skills, and abilities that we're we are given and called uh, from our ethnic backgrounds, the color of our skin, the kind of, of hair, our body types, all the rest. Now, we're tainted, we're broken, we're in a broken world and we're sinful within and the devil has had his hand upon us. But at the core, uniquely you created for just the things that God has for you to do that nobody else can do in the way and place that you do them. Do you, 
recognize that of yourself, the, the unique beauty and value that you are at this point in this time. Just like Jesus, know where you're from. I ran across this from uh, Sojourner Truth. Sojourner Truth was uh, uh, born a slave in the late 1700s in uh, New York. Her first name was Isabel at that time. And, and, and she, the New York did not abolish slavery until uh, 1827. Uh, so Isabel was a slave, and for 18 years she was a slave um, in the, the du, Dumont um, home. And there, um, Mr. Dumont promised her freedom when she turned 18, July 4th of her 18th year. And when it came to July 4th of her 18th year, he started to backpedal and, and didn't do that. Uh, but Isabel said, well, I'm going to keep your promise for you. And she walked and left and was allowed to go. And she was then, um, another family came and befriended her and cared for her. Uh, just so happens this family was were followers of Jesus. And Isabel became a follower of Jesus uh, with them. And then in that midst, that's when she changed her name to Sojourner Truth. And there became a champion in the early, mid-1800s as a freed black woman. Championing, well one, she was an evangelist. Sharing the good news wherever she went. She was championing abolition and she was championing women's suffrage. And in the midst of that, she knew where she was from and she tried to tell everyone else, no, you are created beautifully by God. Know where you're from. And one of her speeches and, um, she, she said, children, and one of the, towards the end of her life, children, who made your skin white? Was it not God? Who made mine black? Was it not the same God? Am I to blame, therefore, because my skin is black? Does not God love colored children as well as white children? And did not the same Savior die to save the one as well as the other? Now, she was sharing that in the 1850s and 1860s, you know, when slavery and forced segregation was still running rampant and legal and trying to tell all people that God has made you beautifully just as you are. That's where you're from. Where are you going? Where, where are you going then? It's, we're followers of Jesus. This is who we are, made fearfully and wonderfully for God's purpose. Now, where are we going? First John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Now, we, just like Jesus, we're going to be with the Father. That is where we are headed because we are uniquely created, as I said, beautiful and unique, but tainted, filled with sin, ourselves and brokenness and in need of God's redemption every day. And we look forward to that day and we'll see him face to face and we will be purified. 
We will be glorified. We'll be made just like him. And and the purpose of the church, the purpose of the ministry of discipleship is to encourage and inform and, and help us to on this journey, to be moving in that direction, in our feeble bodies and minds, that we're on that trajectory to Him, but looking towards that day when we will be made pure. It's hard to believe that. Isn't it? I find that really hard to believe. I have a real hard time of imagining a day when I will see Jesus and I will not sin. And either will you. That's the power of this glorious power and goodness that will be with him. And that's what it said, right? We'll be pure like him. But we're not going to be automatrons. We're not going to all be the same. We're going to be unique. That's why when, when John saw the, the days ahead, he said, look, there's people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Well, how did he know that? But that he saw the color of their skin, their kind of hair, the clothing they were wearing. He, he, he saw that. But the language they were speaking... He knew that. So you are unique in, in who you are and what you're about, but you're broken. We are broken, and yet Jesus is on this process of redeeming us and making us whole and right with him, and that's where we'll be forever. That's crazy. But that's true. That's what we believe. That's why we're here. Even in the midst of our, our own... the the. The challenges, the ugliness, the pain, the evil, the death, the sickness and hatred of our lives. Where we're from and where we're going. It's what set Jesus and what sets us. Now I've got a a video clip uh, for you from a, a movie called Blood Diamond. It was 2006. And in this, just to set this scene, there's a white guy and a black guy. Uh, the white guy's uh, British, the black guy's from Africa, and they're, they're now working in tandem to try to help uh, stop the, all the, the evil that goes on with the diamond trade in, in Sierra Leone and other parts of, of Africa. And it's a really good uh, movie to, to watch. Um, it helps, uh, under, helps us understand that. And what, one of the things that they would do is run rampant for a while where they would kidnap little boys and then make them boy uh, soldiers. And there would be whole groups, whole battalions of boy soldiers that they would then train to, to kill, to maim, to defend uh, the, the illegal diamond trade that was going on. And the uh, black gentleman, Solomon, who was sort of leading this group, it, it, one, of his, one of his sons had been Kidnapped and was part of his soldiers. Well, in this particular scene, Solomon um, and the, I forget the name of the character, but it's played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, they were they're they're finding something that's really helpful on this their their task of stopping this trade, and they run into a, a soldier who happens to be Solomon's son. So the clips can be challenging. One, it's just the, the sound is always challenging. And two, there's accents. And three, our hearing is getting worse and worse. At least mine is. Uh, maybe yours isn't, but mine is. Um, so uh, clock up the hearing aids or adjust them if you need to. Solomon. What 
Yangbe, Yangbe, what are you doing? of the proud men they tried. You are a good boy who loves soccer and school. Your mother loves you so much. She waits by the fire making plantains and red palm oil stew with your sister yonder. And you do, baby? The cows wait for you. And Babu, the wild dog who wants no one but you. Hmm? I know they made you do bad things. You're not a bad boy. Your father, who loves you, then you will come home with me and be my son again. Solomon recounted with Dia, this is where you're from. Here are the cows who wait for you. Your mother making plantains. Soccer fields. And then at the end, I am your father. You are my son. This is where you came from. Now, this is where we're going. Friends, that's our encounter with Jesus. Exactly that same way. We get caught up in the mess, broken in the, our, our world, and yet our Father says, you are mine. Come with me. And that's what we see here. Jesus knows that full well and lives it out perfectly. He lives out this purpose Perfectly. And then he tells us just a little bit later in this passage, again, famous passage that we remember every Monday, Thursday, where he then tells us, now this is your purpose. You know where you came from. You knew where you're going. Now this is your purpose. John 13, verses 33 through 35. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And that's our journey. That's the purpose of the church. How do we live into this beautiful goodness of the love of Jesus? First, first thing, that we have to let Jesus love us like Jesus wants to love us. 
You have to let Jesus love you like Jesus wants to love you. You have to let him wash your feet. That that means taking off your shoes. That means letting it all out. That means the toe jam and the foot fungus and all the rest. Let Jesus love you. Like Jesus loves you. You know, the, you've heard of the five love languages. Gary Chapman did that. It's famous and just accepted by people of all faiths and no faith. You know, it's just one of those human truths, you know, that, that some of us like quality time. Some of us like um, words of affirmation. Some of us like acts of service. Others, it's physical touch or receiving gifts. You know, you can look it up. Five love languages. You've never heard that before. And, and yet, but our natural tendency is we know our love language and we just figure everybody else has the same love language. Or we only think there's one love language. You know, and I've been there. I've seen someone who loves to receive gifts give this elaborate, well thought out gift to another person whose love language is quality time. And that's a terrible combo. Because they've built up this gift. They're there to give it. They pass it on. The person receives it. And they say, oh, wow, that's cool. Thank you very much. And they put it down. They say, let's talk. What's going on in your life? And they're like, no, wait a minute. We're supposed The band's supposed to be playing. You're supposed to be crying. We're supposed to be jumping for joy because of the gift. But it's just they had different languages. I think that's what happened with... Uh, with, with, with the disciples and, and with Peter. You know, cause, cause Peter, he, he didn't, he wanted Jesus to love him, but he wanted Jesus to love him the way Peter wanted him to love him. Yeah, and so that's when Jesus then comes saying, I've got to wash your feet. Peter first comes up and says, No! Jesus, you'll never wash my feet. And you understand washing feet. I was talking about this uh, just uh, before the service. Washing feet, for us today, we think of toe jam and foot fungus and foot fetishes and all that kind of stuff. You know, and so we, oh, that's just weird, you know. Why would you do that? That wasn't the case then. It was very common then. I mean, everybody wore sandals. I mean, you think a lot of people wear flip-flops now. Now, everybody wore sandals. They just didn't have closed-toed shoes hardly. And and so they, when you went into a place, it, you know, it was appropriate to wash your feet. And most often it was a servant. It was the lowliest of folks that, that did that particular task. You know, I, I don't know what would be a comparison uh, today except... You know, maybe the person that sorts out our recycling at the Rumpke dump. You know, it's, it's there and somebody's got to do it and folks do it. But man, that's just not something I'd want to do. And yet Jesus takes this place of a servant. And Peter, so even when he says, even when Jesus then says to, to Peter, all right, Peter, uh, uh, I, unless, unless I wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. Then Peter goes the other extreme. See, Peter still wants to do it his way. Yeah, Okay, well, if you're going to then wash, uh, give me a whole bath. You know, wash my hands, my head, everything. And Jesus is like, you don't get this. <laughs> but you will. A time will come when you'll get this. I, you've got to let me love you. Like I love you. And, and in the end, 
the key thing is, with all that's going on, all that Jesus knows, Jesus still washes their feet. He washes their feet, literally. And then he tells them, you call me teacher and leader, teacher and Lord, and you're right. I am your teacher. I am your Lord. I am your leader. Let me love you like I'm going to love you. Receive that love in its fullness. Stop trying to take control of my love and receive it. And then follow me. Hear my teaching. Follow my leading. We have to know who we follow. Know where we're from, know where we're going, and know who we follow. Because we're all following somebody. We're all following something. We all have goals and dreams that have been modeled by us, uh, by, by somebody somewhere. A lot of times our family of origin. A lot of times just the dreams of the, the world and things that are out there. All those ads that we'll be watching at the Super Bowl. All of those things form us and what we're really going after. I mean, my dad's been dead five years. And before that, he had dementia for five years. So there was no meaningful conversation for ten years. I've been out of the house for 41 years. Yet even this week, I can look back and say, man, I sounded just like my dad right then. So we're formed in all kinds of ways. We, as Jesus followers, accept Jesus as our teacher and our Lord who has become my loving servant. Therefore, we, te- we do what Jesus tells us to do. We submit to him because we know he is good. And so therefore, knowing where we're from, knowing where we're going, knowing who we follow, we serve others like Jesus serves us. Love is serving others like Jesus serves me. And I want to remind you, Jesus washed the feet of all 12, even Judas. Our charge is to let Jesus love us, to know him, and and then to be overwhelmed by his love, and then to follow him in that same way. And, and, And that means saying yes and no. That means we might disagree. That means we might have, we, we might vote totally different people. But if Jesus washed Judas' feet, then we can certainly wash one another's feet. Because Jesus is the one we follow. We know He's the one that holds where we're from and where we're going and who leads us in our purposes. So brothers and sisters, let's Let's be on brand. Let's receive Jesus' beautiful love. And let's share it with one another and with whomever Jesus has crossed our paths. On your way out today, 
you get a little brand token. Just one to remember. It actually has a variety of uses. But uh, make it one of yours. And every time you see this little gray cloth, you get to remember, okay, yeah, this is Jesus' brand. That we wash one another's feet like he has washed mine. As we come to time of prayer, I want you to take a little bit of a moment of reflection. How maybe has God spoken to you this morning? What really caught your attention? How it may be just receiving his love. That Jesus would wash my feet. That Jesus would take out my trash. That Jesus would clean the mold in my shower. Uh, Maybe too much information. Sorry. (laughs) But you're caught in the mess of life and you forget, no, Jesus loves me with this sacrificial love. He embraces me like a father to his wayward son. Come home. Uh, Maybe a situation uh, for you where you're in a situation of how do I share his love? Don't don't get in the... the, Don't don't become too much of a preacher and and tell other people how how God's told you how they're supposed to share Jesus' love. That's a problem. How do I receive it and how do I give it? That's what we're about. But maybe there's a hard situation. How do I, and it's, it's, it's not so much difficult, but it's, no, what's the right way? How do I best love a person and a situation? Whatever it might be, maybe you're crying out, Lord, help me love like you love me. Help me love according to what I best think she or he or the situation calls for. Let's, uh, just so just this time of prayer, be in tune with that and lift that up to the Lord um, yourself and invite you. And I'll remember, hopefully, at the end of the service, there'll be folks up front to pray with you and for you also. Let's pray. Almighty God, we, we do ask that you would speak to us in this moment. You'd bring to mind your love for us and we'd be overwhelmed by that. Help us to, to feel your embrace. Sear in us, Lord, that we are from you. Make it clear that there is a day coming that we will be purified and with you forever. Help us also to appreciate and and know and and love the unique ways that you've created us and what you've called us to be. Help us know, again, where we're going, where, where we're from and where we're going. And help us to know you as our teacher, our our leader, our lover, the, the lover of each of us. And Lord, we also continue to pray for those around us. Lord, we, we pray for um, uh, just along in the, in the world, uh, the, and just the, the tragedy and the destruction, the horrific things, particularly in Turkey and, and Syria, the horrific disaster of over 20,000 people dying now and who countless more, who knows how many more there without homes. Lord, in our own uh, land, we uh, continue to hear and see you know, the brutal beating of Tyree Nichols in, in Memphis and 
Lord, we pray for his family. We, we pray for the, the officers that committed such a hateful act. We pray for them. We, we pray for your love to, to bathe them all and bring them to you to, in grace and truth and justice. We'll bring healing, change, and demonstrate your beautiful love. And Lord, we, we know the, the pain and anguish in our own lives. The need of your healing hand for, for us, for those that we love and, and care for. We continue to pray, Lord, for, for your healing hand on those who are facing your illness. We lift up Cherie to you and the ending of her treatment. Pray your healing upon her. We continue to pray for Jerry Federley and your healing upon him. And Lord, we, we lift up uh, uh, Daryl and, and, and Bernice and your healing hand upon them. And we lift up one another to you as your church. Will you be our leader, our teacher, our loving servant? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.